Well, we are here today. We're, we're going to continue in our 30-day journey. I guess you saw the, the ticker a moment ago. It's getting kind of close, isn't it? Uh, you, we, if you're a first-time person here, you, you've got eight days to live. I don't know if you've been told that. Uh, that might concern you about attending church at Colonial Heights Baptist. But uh, yeah, we've been on a 30-day journey to live like we were dying. We have looked at the, the biblical truth, the reality that we're going to die. And coupled with that fact, we're going to stand before God and we're going to answer for our lives. Folks, you've got a set number of days. Today's a gift. You don't get to live it again. You don't get a do-over on this day. You've got today and every day is moving you one step closer to that point in time. Folks, I've been saying this to not live in light of that day. To not live in the reality that your life is moving to a point. That's insane. It is insane to not let your life, your decisions, be guided and directed by that moment that you're moving toward. Now we've been talking about how do we want to live. If I've only got 30 days left to live, what do I want to do? And we've talked about speaking sweeter. We've talked about loving deeper. Those were kind of fun. Those are some of the things that make life kind of fun and good. Today we come to a little bit more difficult topic. Today we come to the issue of giving forgiveness. Now I want you to hear me say something. I'm going to say it again near the the end of the message. When God commands you and I to forgive, it is for you that he makes that command. It's not for the offender. It is for your benefit that he... You want me to take that brick for you? What brick? The brick. I don't have a brick. Uh, okay. Adam, okay. Thank you. I'm okay. preaching here. I didn't. You know, I didn't. I don't interrupt you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know what that was about. Anyway, uh, forgiveness. That's the topic, right? Yes, we're talking about forgiveness today. You know, when I say that word forgiveness, well, this is such a big issue. Just saying the word for some of you in here, there's already been an adrenaline surge. There's already a little bit of a wall of defense going up because we don't like to be told that we need to forgive. You know, folks, if we really did have eight days left to live, and isn't that what we're really attempting to try to do? What would I do today if indeed I had eight days to live? What would I be doing? I promise you, you wouldn't want to be dragging around bitterness and anger and resentment. That's not how you want to live the last eight days of your life. Now, you know, I got to thinking about this. So I forgive this person. But you know what? I don't want to live the last eight days of my life with an abuser in my life. I don't want to live the last eight days of my life with somebody who's lying to me. So you know what? Forgiveness does not mean we're just letting somebody back into our life to take another shot at us. Okay, that's a real issue. But that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means that we're... Good gosh, what? Man, you want me to take that brick? I don't have a brick! Did you send him up here? What is that? The brick right there. I, I, I don't have a brick. Could we talk about this later? Okay. I'm going to need to forgive some people pretty soon. Gosh. You know, this is a good illustration of life. I'm just minding my own business, working, you know, doing what I do day in and day out, and, and people interfere, don't they? They, they interfere with your life. And of course, that's, that's the best part. Because sometimes they do a whole lot worse than interfering. Sometimes they come into our lives and they, they lie and they steal. They abandon, they betray, they hurt and they wound. Of course, now 
We do that too, don't we? Sometimes we're the one doing the betraying. Sometimes we're the one doing the abandoning. But the good news is that's not what today's sermon is about. So we're not going to deal with that. But we are going to deal with this issue of being a victim of those things. This issue of forgiveness. You know, to start this message, before we even talk about forgiveness, I think it'd be good to get kind of a a baseline. a, A bare minimum. What's the bare minimum as followers of Christ... That he expects in our relationships. I suppose I could go to a number of, of uh, verses to try to communicate this. I like Romans twelve eighteen. I like its simplicity. I like its reality. And in Romans twelve eighteen, it says, if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Now, I like that phrase. Look at that. Those, those first was that five words, if possible, on your part. You know what that's saying? God is acknowledging you can't make a relationship be peaceful. That that takes two people, doesn't it? That takes both sides. You can't make the other person do what they're supposed to do. You can't make the other person respond like they should respond or stop doing things that they... You can't make them do anything. And God acknowledges that. God recognizes you're not responsible for their behavior. You are responsible for yours. And so God says, why you can't control anything they do on your part, your side of the equation, you do everything necessary to be at peace with everyone. Well, that's that's a tall order, isn't it? I mean, do you see this? That, that folks, that one verse got every relationship you have do what brings peace in this moment. As far as it depends upon you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm looking for an escape clause in that verse, aren't you? Some kind of exception, some kind of about, well, what if? But it's not there. On your part. Folks, if you go to stand before God in eight more days, you are not ready to go and stand before him if you've not done your part to be at peace with everyone. As a matter of fact, you might want to sometime this week run by and check out Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. You know, inside your bulletin, I've started putting some discussion questions and it's, you do this as a family. You can do this by yourself, but just kind of help you think through the sermon. And in there, I've notated that verse might be interesting because in that verse, Jesus says, not only are you not ready to go stand before God, you're not even ready to come and worship. If there's something wrong with you between you and another and you've not done your part to make that right, you're not even ready to walk in and worship. Do we? Do we believe Jesus on that? Do we take him serious on that? Now, Peter, the Apostle Peter, he's talking to Jesus one day about this issue of forgiveness. And and Peter asks a question that is on every one of our hearts and minds when it comes to forgiveness. What we're all wondering, how often, how far do I have to go in forgiving them? I mean, where where can I draw the line? Where can I say enough is enough? Now I can stop forgiving this person and so then peter says so so lord you know if somebody's wronged me if somebody's sinned against me how many times do i need to forgive them do i need to forgive them say oh seven times now when peter says seven times he probably got a little big chested he probably thought now that that's a good number jesus is jesus is probably going to applaud me here because seven times is a perfect number isn't it gosh jesus will say well man peter you know what, I, I, I would never ask you to forgive somebody seven times. That might be what Peter's thinking. So can you imagine his shock 
when Jesus says, no, not seven times, try 70 times seven. What? 70 times seven? That's 490 times. What are you? Why would I do that? Now, Peter didn't say, why would I do that? But he's thinking it. You know how I know he's thinking it? Because we're all thinking it. And so Jesus tells a story, a story of timeless relevance to answer why. Why we would forgive over and over and over and over. Let's turn to that story. Would you open up with me this morning to to Matthew chapter 18? Matthew chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If it's not right in front of you, it should be within a couple of chairs. You point to it. I know somebody will hand it to you. Matthew chapter 18. Now, here's what I want you to do. The story starts in verse 21. I kind of want you to lay that out on your lap there. Keep it open. I'm going to refer to a couple of verses in a moment. But instead of just reading the story to you, I just want to tell you the story. And you can kind of look down and see if I'm close enough, okay? But what I'm going to do, I'm going to put a little change on the story. I'm going to kind of tell the story how I think Jesus might tell it in our culture and in our context. So remember... The question is, how many times do I forgive? Jesus comes out with his way outlandish number, 490 times, 70 times 7. And I'm thinking, why would I forgive somebody that much? To which Jesus says, you know what? There's a very powerful, shrewd businessman. He's a CEO, CEO of a of a multi-billion dollar company. One day he's at work and and the accounting department, you know, dials him up and says, hey, do you realize we've got an individual vendor who is over a hundred million dollars in debt to us? Well, the the CEO kind of flies off the handle thinking, why am I just now hearing about this? How did the debt get that big, that high without us addressing it? So he he hangs up with accounting. He gets his, his assistant on the phone, says, call that guy up, get him in here right now. To which she does, she gives him a call and he answers the phone and when he realizes that CEO wants an appointment with him, he knows this is going to be bad. He panics, he knows what this is about and he can't do anything, folks. He, he can't even make a, a goodwill payment toward that debt. He absolutely cannot restore what he's indebted to. I mean, all he can do is go in there and plead on the mercy of the CEO or hope for a bailout or something. So he goes in and and they hand him a folder on the way in that that outlines, that details the run-up of his debt. He's he's sitting there in the office waiting for the CEO and the the guy comes in. And he says, you owe us $100 million. It's due now and it's due in full. I've had my legal apartment looking into this and, and you know what? We realize there's some fraud and there's some deceit here. If you do not pay in full right now, We're going to seize your assets, we're going to liquidate your properties, and we're going to throw you in jail right now. Well, the guy's sitting there, man, this is going much worse than he thought. This is worse than he imagined, and he literally does. He falls out on the floor, crying, begging, pleading, give me more time. I swear I'll pay it back, I swear I'll pay it back. And then the CEO, I mean, this is just the ridiculous part, because this story doesn't even exist. There's just no way. The CEO does the absolutely unimaginable. I mean, who sees this coming? He just stands up and forgives him the debt. I I didn't say he gave him more time. I I didn't say he cut the debt in half. He forgave the debt. He owes nothing anymore. 
Well, man, that guy gets up off the floor. He's still crying. It's tears of joy now. And folks, can you just imagine being released from that kind of debt? Can you imagine the new lease on life that that might give you? As a matter of fact, he's walking out. He calls up. He's walking six inches off the ground, by the way. And, and he calls his wife up and says, get the kids. We are going out and celebrating tonight. And so he's driving home to pick up his family. He pulls in. He's got to get gas. He's standing there pumping gas. And uh, this car pulls in. This guy's one, one bay over there. Starts pumping gas. And the guy's looking at him thinking, I know that guy. Who is that? Who is that? You, you owe me $200. You came in and borrowed $200 from my business and you've never given it back. We've called you. We've sent letters. You're avoiding us. I want the money now. And the guy says, man, I'm sorry. I, you know what? I'm being honest. I did avoid you. I, I couldn't do anything. I got laid off two weeks ago. And, and you know what? I've got a job. I've got a job. It's going to start in two weeks. Could you give me a little more time? The whole time the guy's talking, there a guy's call, dialing his cell phone, calls the police, has him arrested. Now, you know, if you and I are an audience and we're watching this drama unfold, what are we thinking right now? Everything that is not right. Yes, it is. It is absolutely right. That guy has taken money. He's not restored it. He's in the legally wrong. He can have consequences bought against him. It's not wrong. Except for the fact of what's just happened to him. Now, in light of the fact he's just been forgiven a hundred million dollars what he did over here for 200 now that's wrong isn't it we'd say man that that is not right well guess what unbeknownst to our guy over here that ceo's assistant was also there pumping gas she saw the whole thing take place well man she hops in the car flies back to the to the company goes in tells the ceo what happens he makes one fall call and brings the full force of the law down on that guy and wouldn't we say and rightly so now, that's justice. That, that's what should happen now. Now, from that story, I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge you to make two choices. And then I want to challenge us with a warning. Here's our first choice. When we've been hurt, when we've been attacked, when we've been wounded, when we've been betrayed, when we've been abandoned, our first choice is to realize that we have been released from God's judgment. It's to celebrate, to celebrate what God has done in our lives. Now, folks, you know what? Neat story. It makes sense. We know what Jesus is trying to say, but you know what we don't know? We don't believe what Jesus is saying. I understand what Jesus is saying. I don't believe what Jesus is saying. You see, we, we, we have a problem with this passage in that, one, I don't see myself as being $100 million in debt to God. And two, that person sinned against me, well, that was worth a whole lot more than $200. You see, folks, you, in Jesus' story, you are the one that owes $100 million. And the people who sin against you, they're the ones that owe $200. And I'm telling you, folks, I believe if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't buy it. I'm not perfect. I've done things wrong. I, I know I'm, you know, if we were trying to put this in some kind of money format, I know I'm indebted to God. But you know what? It's not that much. And what those people have done to me is worth a whole lot more. I see, our, our basic problem in understanding this story is we tend to think we're pretty good. 
As a matter of fact, that's what a lot of the, the secular world uh, of counseling teaches is that man is basically good. And so as they try to get into our heart and mind and, and get us fixed, they start with this presupposition that we're starting off good. And it's not true. We're not basically good. You know, there was a, a book that came out in the 70s, a very popular pop psychology book called If You're Okay. It says, You're Okay and I'm Okay. Well, folks, that's not true. You're not okay. If we were to write that book biblically, if I were titling that book, it's, this is what it'd say. It would say, I'm not okay, and you're really a mess. That's what I would title the book. But folks, we're not okay. We're not basically good, and we're not innocent. Let me give you one verse. I could give you a hundred. I'm going to give you one simple verse. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. It says, there's not one who's righteous. There's not one person who is in right standing with God. There's not one person who's in right standing with others. There's not one person who's living rightly day in and day out before God. There's not one person who is living rightly day in and day out with his world. There's not even one. That's God's judgment. That's God's estimation as he watches us. We are not okay. We do not enter the world innocent. We do not enter the world good. I mean, folks, you want some, you want some proof of that? Look at a baby. Who teaches that baby to lie? Who, who teaches that baby to be selfish? Who teaches that baby to throw a fit? Nobody teaches. Comes factory installed. It's a sin nature. They enter the world tainted, poisoned by sin. And that sin is racking up debt over and over and over and over. You know, folks, you think about it. When you and I sin against each other, when we hurt each other, we hurt others. That's just one indebted person attacking and hurting another indebted person. But when we're sinning against God, he's not indebted to us. He, he's never wronged us. All he has ever done is what is good, what is true, what is faithful and what is right. That's what we're attacking in our sin. So, folks, we are racking this debt up all of the time with God. Folks, God is right in judging us. God is right in bringing the judgment of the law against us. We are not holy and we have offended holiness. But you know what? The CEO of the universe stands up and does the most incredible thing. Folks, all joking aside, the CEO of the universe brings to us the bailout of all bailouts. He wipes clean our debt. Now, I want you to understand something about the holiness of God. When God forgives, it's not that he's saying, oh, your sin's no big deal. It's small. I know it's no real issue. You tried. No, folks, if there's sin, it's not just. It's not fair. It's not holy for God to pretend like that sin's not there. It's not right. It's not holy for him to look the other way. It's not right, it's not holy for him to say, no big deal. No, if the sin is there, it has to be paid for. But he paid for it. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to pay the debt that you and I could never pay. Man, folks, we deserved punishment, we got pardoned. We deserved judgment, we got Jesus. We deserved eternal condemnation. We got eternal salvation. We deserved hell. We got heaven. 
This is the gift of God. This is the bailout of God for you. The question is, have you received it? Have you received God's gift of forgiveness? A gift has to be received. Let me tell you something. If you have not received that gift, that's the only thing you should be focused on for the rest of your life. Whether that life is eight more days or 80 more days or 800 more days or however many more days. You know, said the only thing I didn't say it's the most important thing. The most important thing implies that there's other things. Folks, if you don't have God's forgiveness, it doesn't matter what the other things are. It doesn't matter what what you accomplish. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you die and go to stand before God and you have not received his gift of forgiveness, that will be a bad appointment. That will not go well, and it won't matter what else has been done in life. Now, as we come back to our story, we talk about have I received God's gift of forgiveness? The reason that's such an important question, because, folks, Jesus is making the case that my ability or my motivation to forgive somebody is in direct proportion to how much I've been forgiven. God's call on my life to forgive is in proportion to the fact that I have been forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. Do you see how God ties together our forgiving others with the forgiveness that we have received from him? So, folks, if I'm going to deal with the hurt and the pain, the attacks in my life, if I'm going to be prepared for future attacks in my life, I need to regularly, I need to daily be celebrating what God has given me, what God has done for me. I need to be celebrating the forgiveness that I have received in Jesus Christ. With making that choice, I'm now prepared to make the second choice. And that is to release others from my judgment. Liberate. I'm going to make a choice to celebrate. And I'm going to make a choice to liberate. Now, folks, this is the hard part of forgiveness. But, I mean, the, you know why forgiveness is hard? Because we've been hurt. And, and they've done wrong. And, and I want them to pay. I, I want them to hurt. And so we come in here to church, we're told to forgive, and, and, and it's almost like what we hear is, is the pastor, the scriptures saying, hey, just let them off the hook. J- just let them get off scot-free. Folks, that's not what forgiveness is. That's not what forgiveness is calling you to do. Folks, this is forgiveness. Forgiveness is relinquishing my right to hurt you because you hurt me. I am letting go of my judgment. I'm letting you go from my judgment and to God's justice. Now, you've got to get that last phrase. I'm letting you go from my bringing judgment, my bringing justice in this situation, and I'm letting you go to God's justice. I am trusting that a God of justice will handle this in the way that's appropriate, in his way and in his time. Now, folks, that sounds good. It is hard. You know why? Because God doesn't promise me that I get to see the justice being brought. And let's be honest. If God hurts them, I want to see it. I mean, Lord, I'm not going to do it. I'm trusting you to do it. But can I watch? Now, come on, you laugh, but it's the real deal. 
It's the real deal. I want to see him hurt. They have damaged me. They have attacked me. They've, they've lied. They've stolen. They've been into my soul and robbed. My whole life has been defined by that hurt. It's only right that I get to see them hurt. God says, no, I don't promise you that. You trust me. Now that's hard. I want to see him hurt. I don't want to see him get off. I want to know that the justice has been brought. You know, even as we as we deal with that, you think, you know, I'm sure this is true for a lot of sins. I'm sure this is true for a lot of wrongs. But you don't know what was done to me. You don't know what that person did. You know what? I may not know and I may not understand what that person did. I mean, I will say, you know, as a pastor, as a as a counselor, I've got to hear a lot in 20 years of ministry about what we do to each other. And folks, I'll be honest with you. It blows me away sometimes just how evil one person can be to another. The damage that will be done. The hurt that will be caused. I mean, there's some monsters out there, aren't there? Do you know what I've learned about monsters? In almost every case, that monster was hurt also. In almost every case, that monster was attacked also. And you know what that monster didn't do? That monster didn't trust Christ to take care of the pain in their life. And so that pain and their anger and their resentment began to eat at them until it turned them into this monster. And now that monster has come walking through your life. And that person, that man, that woman did what they did to you. Where does it stop? God says, let them go. Let the situation, let the issue go. You know, that's what the word forgive means in the Greek language. The Greek word is luo. It almost sounds like the English language word loose, doesn't it? Let it loose. Let loose. That's what the word forgiveness means. Let it loose. I let it loose from my judgment and I let it loose to God's justice. Because if we don't. That hurt and that pain has the potential of defining every day of our life, every relationship that we have. It has the potential to destroy us. Some of you right now are walking through destroyed lives and you're denying you're denying the impact that it's had on your life. And folks, that's the warning that Christ gives. Would you look in your passage, Matthew 18, look at verse 32. It says, then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked slave. That's what God says to somebody who doesn't forgive as he's been forgiven. You wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers until he could pay everything that was owed. Now look at verse 35. So my heavenly father. These are the words of Jesus. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive. Does not let loose his brother from his heart. 
Folks, would you just take a moment, look at verse 35 again? I, I think these are some of the harshest words Jesus utters. I also think they're words that very few of us take serious. I don't know if I have the right to say that, but I said it. I think very few of us in this room believe what Jesus just said there. Very few of us take him serious. So how can you say that? Because you're carrying it around. Because you're not forgiving. Folks, here, here's the bottom line. Here's where Jesus is going with this. God expects you and I to freely give what we have freely received. I freely received God's goodness, God's faithfulness. I freely received God's forgiveness. I didn't deserve it and he didn't owe it. He freely gave it. And he, spe he expects that in turn, we will freely give it to others. Now, do you remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon? I said, when God commands this, it's for you. It's not for the benefit of the offender that God says to forgive. It is for your benefit. Because God did not create this machine. He did not create this body to carry around anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. So when I choose to carry it around, folks, I, I can't describe any difference. Say, you are ingesting cancer. But we literally, physically have stomach problems because we have carried around bitterness for the last 35 years in our life. We have heart problems. We have anxiety and stress problems because we have brought this into the body. And God said, I didn't create the body to carry that. Let it go. That angerness and bitterness and resentment will eat away at your life. It will touch every single relationship that you have. He says, why? Well, I... I you know, I know I struggle with that. I know I have a hard time forgiving that person, but it, it's not affecting my relationships. It's not touching every relationship I have. Yes, it is. You're so numb to it, you don't even realize it. You don't even realize a host of other places that resentment, the, boot of, the root of bitterness is what's causing it. Why do you think you're so impatient with people? It's bitterness that's made you impatient. What, what, what do you think? You say, man, I don't want to be so quick to anger. Man, I just, I just lash out so quick. You know why? Bitterness has worn you thin. You know why you have a hard time trusting people? Because you never let loose. Folks, this bitterness weaves your way, all, weaves its way all through your life. It never stops touching you. It's just what Jesus said here. Unforgiveness imprisons you. You imprison your own life in unforgiveness. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. I am absolutely tired of carrying this brick. I have done this for two services now. I've been, you know, I had to practice preaching this sermon, you know, carrying a brick the entire time. I am sore right here. I started doing this on Wednesday. And so right here and right here, I am sore. And my fingers, they're kind of cramped. I'm tired of carrying this brick. Did you know I was carrying a brick? Did you? You did? You saw it? Yeah, but you, I mean, you heard me deny that I'm carrying it, but you still saw it. Yeah, I guess you did. 
Yeah, I denied it, but it's pretty obvious I was carrying a brick. And you know what? Everything I've done this morning, I've had to do in light of and working around. I had to pick up my Bible. It was a little bit harder. That's why I didn't want to read it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell you the story. I had to negotiate around the brick. I had to work around the brick. The brick, the brick has made me sore. It, it's affected things. You know what? This brick has affected my relationships. You know, I, I was carrying this brick. I was, you know, out greeting people like I do in the, after the first service. And somebody came up and I, I gave him a hug and whack, bashed him right in the back of the head. You know, we've got this emergency medical team now here that's just started. Praise God we had them in place. I mean, if I didn't hit him just a little bit harder, it'd have been Fox News. We'd have been colonialized, Baptist, pastor, bashes, guys. I'd been on the news all week long. It'd been awful. I, I can't hug anybody. You know, I can't hold hands. You say, we got one hand free. Yeah, I got a brick in this hand. This hand's tired. It's all cramped up. You see, pretty soon, I can carry Now, you know what? I'll get in shape. I mean, it's not that heavy. So if I start carrying around, I'll, I'll, I'll get used to carrying around. I'll, I'll become numb to the fact that it's there. But you know what? That doesn't mean that every day of my life, I'm not negotiating around this brick. I'm not having to work around this brick. I'm not dealing with this brick. I bet if I was actually driving with a brick every single day, sooner or later, I'm going to get in an accident. You know, you're not meant to drive with a brick in your hand. He's going to keep causing problems. Folks, this is the brick of bitterness. And it's exactly what we do in our lives. We carry this brick. And you know what? I wish it was a brick. For too many of us, it's not a brick. It's a wheelbarrow of bricks that we are carrying around. And we may have gotten pretty good at handling it. But folks, you're negotiating around this bitterness every day of your life. And it is affecting your relationships. And I am not being one bit funny when I say, and you are bashing people in the head that you don't even realize because you're carrying this brick of bitterness. You're sitting there running. I don't, I don't think I am. I don't, I don't. And you know what? You sound as silly to God denying that as I look denying to Scott and Jim that I had a brick in my hand. If I got eight days to live, I don't want to carry this. In eight days, I, I want them to count. I don't want to carry bricks. Folks, when I go stand before God, I don't want to come with a load of bricks. So God says, Randy, I love you, and I want these next eight days to count. And I want you to be excited, and I want to be excited about what you bring when you come to stand before me. So Randy, Luo. Luo. Forgive. Let it loose. But Lord, I, 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 Randy, just trust. I'm a God of justice. I will handle that the way it needs to be handled and in the time it needs to be handled. But, but Lord, will I get? No, Randy, I'm not promising you'll get to see it. You let it loose. You know what? I've seen some people effectively let it loose, but then they think that they can't let it loose because they wake up tomorrow morning and there it is again. Three months from now, they find all of a sudden they're all churned up, anxious, angry. The whole thing is there again. Oh, it must not have worked for me. I couldn't let it loose. Folks, do you know why we let it loose? We effectively did it. We meant it when we did it. It's down. I've let it go to God's justice. Do you know why I wake up three months from now and all of a sudden that anger and that bitterness is there again? Do you know why? Because Satan wants to destroy your life and he wants to unload a load of bitter bricks on your life. 
So he will make sure you see it again. He will thrust it into your face and your heart. And when he does, you say, uh-uh. I know I'm thinking that right now. I know I'm feeling that right now, but I'm going to stop. I let go of that. I let go of that. I'm not going to think on this anymore today. I'm not going to act on this anymore today. This is not going to touch me today. I have let it loose. And you know what? You might have to do that. Well, a lot. I'd like to put a number on it. You might do it once and that work. For some of those really deep hurts. You might have to do it quite a few times. It doesn't mean that God's failed. It doesn't mean that you have failed. It means that Satan is coming. And each time you address it the same way. I'm not going to act on that. I'm not going to think on that. I have let that loose to God's justice. Will you, Luo, let it loose? There are people in this room today, you today have the opportunity to make the biggest decision you've made in your life. The biggest decision to get out of prison. To begin really enjoying what God has done. You say, gosh, isn't the biggest decision when we receive Christ? Yes, that should be the biggest decision. But then if I don't live another day enjoying it and I've imprisoned myself, then you know, now the biggest thing is I've got to trust Christ and I've got to start celebrating that forgiveness. I've got to put my heart and mind on that so I can let go of this to his justice. It is for your benefit. That God says forgive. Will you? Let's pray. Father, you have given us prayer to cry out for help. And Lord, we're crying out for help. This is beyond us. God, if I'm denying right now, if I'm pretending like I've got it under control and there's not an issue there and it's not really bothering me, God, I pray that you'd speak to me. I pray that you'd speak to each person in here. God, show us the place where we have not set the brick of bitterness down. Show us the place. Show us the person right now. God, I'd ask that you'd be loving and tender. And I know I can count on you to be just that. And God, as you start to point that out, may we realize that you're not coming at us in angerness and bitterness yourself. You're coming at us in love. You want to help us to be released from this. You want justice done. You want to make things right. And you have promised you will. But you've also told us our anger will never accomplish your purposes. So God, would you right now help me, help us to lay it down, to let it loose. And God, when it comes back again on Wednesday, when it comes back again in June, when it comes back again next November, God, may I have the discipline, the courage, the faith to say, I'm not going to think on this. I'm not going to act on this. I have let it go. I have trusted God with it. Lord, we need your help in this. Lord, there are people in this room who are probably afraid to lay this brick down because this bitterness has defined their whole life. They don't know how to life, look at life any other way than through the eyes of being the victim of that sin. 
They have so imprisoned themselves, they don't want to get out. Because they don't know any other way to handle and process life. God, call them to your side. Give them faith in the life you have for them. Help us, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.